The CBD industry is still pretty much the Wild West when it comes to claims and criticisms, but the science is catching up. And we've all heard the anecdotes, a lot of good results with pain, sleep, anxiety. Well, luckily, our good friends at Social CBD are raising the industry testing standards. They like to say they are test-obsessed. Social CBD works closely with their suppliers and multiple third-party labs to ensure you're getting exactly what the package says you are getting. High-quality CBD with 0.0% THC. And Social CBD wants you to be skeptical. That's why they put their QR and batch code on every package. That allows you to check all the test results for the product, not general testing, but the specific batch of product you bought. Social CBD just came out with a brand new line of products, Broad Spectrum CBD Gummies, three flavors, Red Raspberry, Peach Mango, uh, and Lemon. And just like their dedication to the highest testing standards, they're using state-of-the-art manufacturing equipment that creates their gummies without cross-contamination. Again, this is a company that really cares about their products and their quality. To learn more, go to drdrew.com slash socialcbd. That's my website, drdrew.com slash S-O-C-I-A-L-C-B-D. And for a limited time, you can save 20% at checkout with the code D-R-D-R-E-W. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Uh, again, keep those wins in the sale of the Corolla Pirate Ship. We do appreciate support the people that support us. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to see you guys over at the streaming shows we do. I do every day. Uh, sign up at drdrew.tv. Uh, we stream on Mixer, Twitch, Facebook, Periscope. I'm sort of getting a... I don't know. I'm getting addicted to this, being able to interact with people in such an interesting and uh, compelling way. Uh, during the week, we just do it as – I do it as just an interactive thing where I read the stream and your comments. On the weekends, uh, either Saturday or typically Sunday at 3 o'clock Pacific, we do a call-in version where you can actually call in and we have guests as well. I bet my next guest will be a, a guest on that show at one of these days soon. And don't forget After Dark and Adam and Drew and all the other stuff. It's all at drdrew.com. My guest is – oh, Derek, I'm going to screw up your last name. Derek Thayer? Thieler. Thanks for giving uh, it a try. Though. Oh, God. Uh, and well, everyone's going to know your, day, your name uh, soon enough. 68 Whiskey, tell me about that. Yeah. Uh, um, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. I know Pleasure. you're extremely busy, man. Listen, well, you and I are collaborating on something. We're going to get into that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but my new show is uh, Ron Howard and uh, Brian Grazer's new show on Paramount Network called 68 Whiskey. It's a dark comedy um, that kind of centers around the uh, the life of um, people on a NATO forward operating base in Afghanistan. A laugh a minute. I mean, immediately think comedy when I think of forward bases in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, you know that that's that's true. But I feel like comedy is kind of one of those things that gets soldiers through tough times and so and, it's like gallows humor. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Real there, comedy. Well, there's there's a lot of um, it's not Brooklyn Nine Nine comedy. It's not. They're, yeah. they're, the stakes are very high. Yeah. Um, you know, not not everybody survives every show. Wow. But at, at the same time, uh, we we try to make sure that people enjoy it at the same time. Derek, I should be able to pronounce your name and not F that up. Thaler? Thaler. Thaler. Ehler. Okay. So you have to write it out with phonetics. There we go. Pathetic. Um, you're diabetic. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. I have been a type 1 diabetic since I was three years old. Mm. Uh, my sister is also a type 1. She was diagnosed when she was three. Is no medical history. Ge- no genetic whatever here? No genetic history at uh, all. No, no one uh, prior to me and my family. Was there uh, any kind of outbreak around you? Like a, could we blame a virus or something? Um, I think both me and my sister had RSV. Oh, who, interesting. Yeah, so that that is something that uh, could have 
you know, had had something to do with our uh, diagnosis. But they weren't like you weren't in grammar school. A bunch of kids with happen to have type one. Type that is not the case. Yeah, nope, yeah. nope, nope, nope. Uh, not at all. But um, yeah, I've had it since I was three. So I can't really remember my life without having to treat type one diabetes. And um, yeah, it's 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 always been part of my kind of life goal, and one of my missions is to uh, be a strong advocate for it and be open and try to build awareness for it. Because uh, when I was a kid, I didn't feel like there was a community for it. I didn't feel like people who were in this business uh, or you know um, um, entertainers or artists or athletes weren't talking openly about being type one diabetic. Right. So that's always been very important. And, and now there's so many technologies and things for the to, to use. Are you doing anything special or interesting? That's right. Yeah, I'm working uh, particularly with um, Dexcom, which is a CGM company, and um, I've partnered with them because it's it's like breakthrough technology. It's a uh, it's a Bluetooth device that's on your skin that tells your phone what your blood sugar is at a constant rate. Oh my god, how awesome! Yeah. It's on my phone right is here. It, too, do you right? have to? Do you have to? But do you have to be injected with anything? Do you have to be on anything under your skin? No, or no injection skin? for the Dexcom. Not at all. No, I, I take injection for insulin. Yeah, but uh, insulin's a whole another uh, another realm because they're they're coming up with new types of insulin oh, yeah. almost yearly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the Dexcom right here on my uh, Apple Watch, I can just look down and know exactly what my blood sugar is. Constantly. And, and, and it graphs it. And it graphs. Did you eat so, recently? Uh, no, I just took some insulin. Oh yeah, I ate, I. I, like an hour ago. Yeah, that's and what so it looks I took, like. so I took like insulin, and now I'm heading yeah, down. So yeah, perfect. And, and it, it, tell people, well, help people understand it so they understand what diabetes is. I don't think the average person really even understands what it is. Sure. Well, type one diabetes is um, it's it's usually caused because your pancreas can't create the hormone insulin for your body, and that hormone uh, allows so, your body to absorb sugar through your blood. At so normal. So let's let's dig in. So the okay. beta, I, the, your pancreas is an exocrine organ, which means it secretes a bunch of stuff into the digestive tract, so you can digest the en- it's enzymes that help you digest food. Mm. But it also has these other specialized cells within it called the beta islet cells, mm-hmm. and they produce insulin and glucagon, right? Right. And insulin, for some reason, these beta cells get attacked for some reasons mm-hmm. in certain situations, and they just disappear. Yeah, so, I mean, it's an autoimmune disease, they right. say. So is, your body kind of attacks itself, and, and you start stop secreting insulin the way that you should. And that's it. Now, type 1. And that would be a death sentence uh, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, really. Well, that's right. Ago. That's yeah. right, yeah. And, I mean, even you know, even when I was diagnosed when I was a kid, I remember um, being terrified to go to the endocrinologist because of how scary it was, oh, yeah. talking about my future and how, you know, if I, how, if I wasn't taking care of myself now, it was affecting my well, future. It was 30 years ago. Yeah, to be fair, it was thirty yeah. years ago. Yeah, and um, and now I, I'm you, you, so they, we, they just started having human insulin then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty we, much. Yeah, we were using the, the, the uh, treatment options were um, you know uh, one type of insulin for for bolusing and one type of insulin for long lasting. Yeah. But the the short acting insulin at that time still took a couple of hours to work. Yeah, yeah. We had to take blood tests with a drop of blood that would take over a minute I can't to actually remember. get the we, reading. We had a name for that insulin that was not human. I can't remember what it was. It had three letters like LZD and NPH. N- no, NPH was the long NPH is long thing. lasting, yeah. But but yes, we had NPH. Mm-hmm. But but we had NPH human insulin. But the, mm-hmm. we before that we had this NPH. Oh, Gary, look it up. What was before insulin human insulin? It was, NHS. No, hold on a second. It, I think it had a Z or a because I think I'm the zinc gonna... is what I, the Z was for zinc and zinc was what pulled out the the molecule that they needed. It, it was like. I think it has Z in it. Anyway, it's, yeah. it's crazy. I can't remember because that's all we had back then. Yeah, and and I, I'm so fortunate to you know be alive now and and 
thanks to my work and, and you know, the, my, my following on Instagram and things like that, I've gotten to do cool things and work with the JDRF, which is the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, now known morely as Type 1. That's great. But um, I, I, I got to go to, um, to Capitol Hill uh, in the fall and talk to the Senate and congressmen about uh, advocating for the Special Diabetes Act, which puts $150 million towards uh, diabetes research. And it's the reason that we actually have the CGM like the Dexcom I have today. Mm. So it's because of government funding. Yep, that's what? right. Yeah, amazing. That's crazy. Who, who developed it? Um, uh, Dexcom, the company, I... Just a tech company. It's it was just not, a tech yeah. company, yeah, yeah. But, and so, so do you have a patch or something you're wearing? Exactly. It's, and, it's, and it's, it's transdermal glucose reading? Uh, yeah, yes, it will. It actually, it, it it's it's got a, a little needle. It's, it's got a like a like a size of a hair kind of a filament that okay, goes into your tissue. Yeah. that that does the glucose reading. That's so crazy. It's, it's I watch it on your watch and stuff. To me, it's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah, I did I did the infomercial for the device as well, the most recent one. So I'm I'm really proud to be working with that company. And did you did you did you? Oh, I just want to say something before I forget. Derek plays a soldier named Sasquatch on the show 68 Whiskey on Paramount Network Wednesdays at 10, 10 9 Central. And I, it caught my eye because your color and facial hair and stuff like that reminds me of a friend of mine named Fletcher, Gary, from Pennywise. Oh, I'm familiar. <laughs> Except Fletcher <laughs> is about a foot tall and about 380 pounds. <laughs> and so don't – although you're, you're a good Sasquatch Fletcher for television, don't mistake – Derek with Fletcher. That was a whole different, uh, that's a whole different level of Sasquatch. <laughs> uh, but uh, I could see where they would put you in that kind of a role. Uh, I actually had to grow the beard for the job. Yeah, yeah, I get it. it look, it's very good. It oh, looks thank great. You. Thank you very much. So let's go back to the, the uh, diabetes and all the crazy advances and stuff. So one of the things you and I got involved with now is this needle destruction device because you've been with needles your whole life, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, t- type 1 diabetics, mostly, you know, no, no. Of diabetes. Oh, look, there's Fletcher. There's Fletcher. Oh, oh, he's. I thought he was short. You said he's tall. No, he's about a foot taller. Than oh, taller. You. Okay, that's him. That's him. That's both of us in flat feet. And, and look, I'm six feet, and he's a full head taller than he's me. He's the size of a door. He's the size of a door. And that's him on a light day. <laughs> All right. His hand. That, those hands will cover your back if you yeah. if you put it, put it on your back. Anyway, so, so these. So you and I were at a meeting where we saw this thing. Um, demoed and i was like this is it man mm-hmm. this is it because i i came out of worrying about hiv and aids and needle sticks and things and I, my whole life i've been sort of my whole career i've been sort of preoccupied with there's got to be a better way to deal with needles so when mm-hmm. i saw that device I was like i'm in that's it i'm yeah. in and you were there too looking at it from a different perspective which is the diabetics with all the needles they have to handle that's right and so tell tell what the what that device has done for you um, what it means for you what what do you think about it yeah, the, the device first of all is, is called the uh, the Sand Mini uh, from the Red Hawk Medical. Pro- you brought, uh, do you have needles products? I, I think I do actually. I got Gary, a couple I want of you needles to see in this. here. I want you to see this. Oh, you do have a couple of needles. Um, is but it charged up? We need to. Put I it hope it's charged up. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. So the, the, what I was really excited about with this device is that it um, it, it you know it's the size of a shoe. It, it's a lithium it battery. It, it uh, these ones are already burned ones. We need to plug this one in, don't we? Oh, is, is it not? Yeah, you gotta plug it in. Yeah, okay, here you go. There's this. I, I'm sure I brought a needle. That's all right, we'll find it. But yeah, yeah, I got one. Where are you, Gary? Where'd you go? Oh. 
Um, so anyway, here, here we go. The uh, the device. Um, yeah. It's it it disintegrates needles using a lithium battery, and it makes it not only so that the um, the needle is not is, a needle is, anymore, or not a needle anymore. Yeah. It's, it's blunt, completely yeah. blunt it, to the touch the second after you use it. But also, you can't use it again, right. which uh, really helps with you and, know. And it's no longer a biohazard. It's, just it's not a biohazard. And, and, and another th- another. It's, it's a miracle. It's, 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 a miracle. it's because you can also dispose of it in a normal trash yep. receptacle instead yep. of having to put it into and, a sharps. And they've got a yeah, yeah. I know this is your one involved with the the insulin syringe one. There's a one for bigger needles too. That you know I use those bigger needles, and it's equally yeah. as miraculous. Yeah, that's right. Miraculous. And actually, I think you can just pop out that plastic piece, and it can take larger needles. Yeah, that it way. can. Yeah, it can. But but they have the the pro unit. They call it. Mm-hmm. They can do any size needle. So yeah, it's incredible. It's very cool. Let's and try to do it. You have a needle. Yeah. Watch this. Stay right here. You'll be you'll be blown away. So here here's the needle. Drop it in. Drop it in. Oh, actually, Wait, let me, you need a different yeah, size. Yeah, yeah. Them. See, I knew it because I already burned all these other, the smaller ones that I've used before. Oh, gosh darn it. This thing won't pop out on me now. Here, let me work on it. I go ahead. Here we go. Here uh, we go. All right, so it popped out. We popped out this little pleat piece, and we're dropping in a syringe. Yeah, make sure it fits. There you go. That's it. And then you just do this. It's now gone. This is incredible. Look at this insulin syringe. You put it in. You push this lever. Boom! It's gone, and it's a nub, Gary. It's just a. It, it no longer. A, it's no longer a needle. That's the thing I love about it. It's amazing. It's, it, I'm pu- I'm poking my face with this. What was a needle? Uh-huh. Completely blunt and, uh, to the touch. And we're gonna, anyone who's walked around a, any portion of LA lately right. knows that this device is absolutely essential. Exactly. We're getting it for law enforcement stuff. But yep. but I these other larger needles. They, I think you need that pro unit for that. And I think so, you're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, it solves solves many problems out there. It, it solves the uh, first of all safety. You know, we don't want people to get accidentally accidentally stuck in law enforcement or medical. It costs something like thirty thousand dollars a year just for an evaluation of a for for stick. one needle stick. Yeah, for, that's if it's negative. That's if you haven't transmitted a disease. That's right. And they th- uh, the number I got was close to a million of those happen a year in our country. Is that something? Yeah. A million needle sticks. And mm-hmm. I I I've been aware of that again my whole career. And I it's funny. You know, I I. I you know, in my office, we use those big red containers, and mm-hmm. it's always you know every time a needle comes out, you're like, oh god, I'm going to stick somebody with this, and and I have I have had needle sticks and things happen in my career across mm-hmm. the career, and um and they have these now on a lot of the, at least the blood draw needles, they have this plastic thing that flips up right. to protect the needle, and when that came around, I thought, all right, well, I guess that's it, I guess that's how we're going to deal with needles. Then I saw this thing, I was like, okay. Right, and it's funny. It's starting to spread. I don't know if you know. They're starting to you know, law enforcement units are starting to use them and stuff. And I, I watched a movie. I watched a movie uh, on on a plane on the way over here a couple of days ago. It was called Current Wars. It was about how electricity, the war between Westinghouse and, and Thomas Edison, uh-huh. and it talked about how alternating currents spread across the country when there's so and i was thinking well, yeah when there's really this major technological advance it spreads mm-hmm. and that's what's happening with this thing it's spreading I, just like electricity it's so interesting to watch yeah i really believe it and especially like you mentioned for the law enforcement professionals it's uh, yeah. it's just it's key for them to have it well and all the you know any veterinary clinics all the med spas with the little injectables that they're doing all those fillers and stuff right so if you want to find out about it, it's called the sand mini the needle destruction device.com safe needle destruction uh, for every ten, for every one sold, ten dollars is donated to the Juvenile Diabetes Association. It is needledestructiondevice.com. And by the way, I didn't mention all of Derek's stuff. You can follow Derek at Derek Thieler, T H E L E R, 
uh, both Twitter and Instagram. You were born in Alaska. Where? I was, I was born near Fairbanks, Alaska. Both both my parents were uh, stationed up there in Clear Air Force Base. Oh, the, so the Air Force. you were a military brat, sort of. Sort of, yeah. Did they move around from there? Or just from there to Colorado Springs, where the Air Force Academy is. Oh, no kidding. Were they officers? Um, no, my my father uh, was a civilian firefighter for the uh, for the Air Force. So, huh. Yeah, so he worked on uh, on base both for the Air Force base and the airport there in in Alaska. No, in Colorado. In Colorado, well, in both actually. That's inter- That's you don't think about the civilian aspect of all this. Yeah, yeah, but but I, I did grow up around uh, soldiers and a lot of military personnel. So me getting this job, getting to play a soldier, has been really amazing. Oh, that's really cool. Tell yeah. tell me more about uh, sixty eight whiskey. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been incredible shooting. We, we've shot the whole, uh, we just finished this week, um, the first season, 10 episodes. We shot in Santa Clarita for Afghanistan. Yeah. And I, I play a, uh, yeah, it's funny, right? But mm-hmm. actually, everyone says it looks, the, the specific place we were at looks just like, uh, like Afghanistan where we're, you know, pretending to be. Which and, is really just Valencia. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's wild, but we, we, um, we get to use like the practical Black Hawk helicopters. Whenever oh, wow. you're seeing them in the show, whenever you're seeing our, our medics doing something on a deck of a helicopter and it's flying, it's actually happening practically, wow, which crazy. is really amazing to, and fun to film and, and shoot that way. And I play a, um, a, like an ex-Special Forces um, contractor, government contractor, like a mercenary, and I'm, I'm kind of the, uh, the villain of the first season. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I want to go back to your diabetes. So one of the things that happens very commonly with, with juvenile diabetes is around adolescence, uh, the kids don't want to have this anymore. Yep. They go into sort of weird denial. They start getting tired of everything. They won't mm-hmm. take their insulin. They won't cooperate with the glucose monitoring. Did you go through something like that? I did go so- through something similar to that. Uh, when I was in college, uh, I didn't pay as close attention as I probably should have to, to my diabetes. And um, I had a couple of uh, really big scares. I actually haven't talked, you know, openly on the air about it before. But there was one time when uh, my roommates had to call an ambulance on me because my blood sugar got too low. And it was, you know, it was my 21st birthday and I had too many drinks and I forgot dinner. And I was, I had new pump settings on my insulin pump and my blood sugar got down to like 17. And Ooh. yeah, and the paramedics came and gave me an adrenaline shot. And it was just a huge kind of scary scene. It was a wake up call for me for sure. Did you ever have DKA, diabetic ketoacidosis? Um, not diagnosed. Yeah. So you became ketotic, you think. You just pulled away from it. Uh-huh. So, yeah. so what happens is, is the sugars get so high mm-hmm. That they shunt into ketone production, and you actually become your your acid base system in your blood becomes completely disrupted, and the ketones are acids, and they completely cause high, uh, acidosis. Mm-hmm. Which in that state, you you can go into coma, you can be completely unstable. It, yeah, it, phosphorus drops. It's just a big mess. Yeah, it is a big mess, and I, I've had I've had extremely high blood sugars before uh, without being diagnosed, and it's it's doesn't feel good. The thing about DKA is, and I I know many you know I used to see it routinely adolescents in DKA. This is a routine thing, mm-hmm. and they end up with more of the complications down the line if they have those DKA episodes. Yep. I, I'm wondering if the pumps and the technologies and the, the ease of which this all is now has reduced, it must have, the incidence of DKA and stuff. I would assume so. Yeah. It, it must just because um, th- things are, are, thanks to the technology, it's a lot easier to handle diabetes these days. And um, like I said, part of my mission in life is to make sure that everyone's aware of the treatment options available and the technology that's out there. And I'm, I'm always trying to figure out what's coming next, working with the JDRF and the They've got some really exciting things coming down the pipes, and um, like um, they they they're working on uh, tr- transferring cells and putting them in like a like a membrane packet and putting them into your pancreas, so your beta cells can actually activate wow. them and won't be attacked 
crazy by, by your autoimmune system. Oh my god! And there, uh, I mean, I, apparently, I, I've heard that there's a, a couple of um, uh, case studies of people who were type one diabetic and have been completely insulin free for the last year and a half. Incredible! Yeah, so that's pretty exciting. That's that's cure. It's it's as close as it gets. Wow, that is very exciting. Yep. Um, and, and the other thing that people don't think about sometimes with diabetics is that they have a higher incidence of uh, mental health issues too. They, there's something about having a non physiological insulin system mm-hmm. or sugar metabolism that puts sets people up for depressions. I, I yeah, that makes sense to me because yeah. it's um. Uh, it's isolating. I, I feel like my sister was a diabetic, but like one of the main things when I was growing up, there was no one that I felt like I could relate to. I didn't right. have friends who were Did going through it. Did you feel broken? Or, or uh, yeah, I felt like something, wrong, something was yeah. wrong with me. And not only was something was wrong with me, but I wouldn't be able to live a normal, healthy life. Did, and you, did you think about death more than the average kid because of that? I would, I would assume so, just yeah. thinking about my future. I, I, I think that it kind of instilled a responsibility in me to, to take care of myself. But at the same time, I was... Um, I wasn't very optimistic about you know how long I was going to live and what my life was going to well, be like. That's what I'm wondering if you started sort of becoming pessimistic and ruminating about it. Right. Yeah. And I think it did affect me, and, yeah. and uh, I, I was afraid of you know what my future was going to look like and um, how long I was going to be able to live. And that's another one of my main messages is that you know you shouldn't let being diagnosed with type one or having type one for a while or have someone in your family having it uh, let it bring you down and let you. Uh, stop you from achieving your goals and, and, and just going for it. Well, and now you can live a normal life span with this. It, I mean, it really, we've almost Absolutely. normalized, even in the non-curative states, just the technologies with which we approach uh, the insulin delivery is has made it almost normative. I mean, you're almost back to normal. Yeah, that's right. And you know, it's, it's kind of cool to uh, to have state-of-the-art technology that's that's keeping you healthy. Are you just on insulin or are you doing anything else? Um, yeah, I mean, you know what? Right now, I'm taking inhalable insulin, which is brand new as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I can show you uh, what my pa- my pod looks like. So this is a four-unit hit right there. Crazy. And you just inhale it through this. Is this widely available or is this a research still? Oh, uh, no, it, it is widely available. It's brand new, though. It, yeah. it just uh, passed, Oof. I think, all the FDA stuff. And the cool thing about this is um, when you take this insulin – it's activated in your system within 10 minutes. Uh. It's out of your system within an hour. Huh. So usually when you take insulin, it lasts up to three hours and it's kind of constantly driving you down. Not with this. This After an hour of you administrating it, you know that it's out of your system. Do you have a long-acting in, uh, you take once a day too? I take a long-lasting insulin as well. Which from insulin. Taking? I take Traceba. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I, I use the, the device to, to take out the, uh, the pen needles with that. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I, I used to be on a, I was on a pump for probably 15 years before this, mm. and then my pump just died in the night a couple of months ago. I had, I think it was my test day for my 68 whiskey audition. Oh, wow. Big day for me. You know, oh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to see Ron Howard. Uh, did and you? I, I didn't, uh, but I thought I was. <laughs> did you eventually see him? Or is he yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, That's going to be cool. Yeah, really cool. Mm. But, um, but the day, the big day for me, my, my insulin pump died in my sleep when I, when I was you know, when I was asleep during the night and woke up, my blood sugar was 600. Oh, and that's geez. that That was just a rough start. And from that moment on, I wanted to make sure that I'd be able to treat it different ways than just with the insulin pump. So now I, I, I'm familiar and, uh, and cool with doing, uh, treating myself with different, different ways. 
That's great. I mean, it's so it's so isn't it astonishing how many different options that diabetics have now. It's just it is. It's um. It's a it's a good time to be a diabetic. Yeah, that's for literally. Sure. Yeah, if you have, there's an illness you got to have, this is the one. It's a good one to have right now. <laughs> well, this is the year to have it. Now we're t- toward the future because um the options are just there. They're they're a lot more than they used to be when I was a kid. The idea that you can see, you can really see what's going on in your blood system on your arms. <laughs> it's incredible. And I I also for the show sixty eight whiskey. I uh, part of my wardrobe was the Apple Watch. So. Oh. Wow. I had like a band, you know, like a military band, and I had it on my wrist at all times while I was working, which was really cool and, and, and a great opportunity to, for me to, you know, make sure in my line of work, it's always my job to make sure I'm not holding anybody up because time is money. So I, uh, I want to always make sure my blood sugar set and I don't have to run out and like, you know, chug a Coke real quick because I got a yeah. low blood sugar. Yeah. So that, it's that uh, very getting in the yo-yo. Yeah, so, it's so. it's very beneficial to be able to have this, and I was lucky to to be able to work on a show that let me have it. Now, when you get ill, when diabetics get ill, the sugars sometimes run out of control. Mm-hmm. Is there, let's say, you get a restaurant infection? Does that preclude the use of the inhalables? I don't know the answer to That's that. That's an interesting question. Um, I imagine not. Yeah, well, I, I also fine. have regular um, fast-acting insulin that I can use as well if there was ever an issue like that. Which one do you use? Uh, Humalog. Humalog. Yeah. That's the, that's the, always the one we to used go to. Use. Yeah. Do yeah. you, how much do you have to take? Do you take one? Do you, if if you were on your Humalog now per mm-hmm. meal, what would you have to take? It depends on how much I eat. It, two it, to two, but some people are resistant to it a little bit. Yeah, uh-huh. two to four milligrams. Or are you up in the eight to twelve? Um, w- I I would probably take somewhere from four to ten. Yeah, four and to do ten. you adjust your own insulin? Oh uh, yeah. Which is uh, people? You know, it's funny when I used to put um, diabetics in the hospital. The nurse, I go, what, what do you, what's their, tell me their insulin. I go, nobody knows better than diabetic. You yeah. ask the di- ask the patient. They, mm-hmm. they know exactly how to manage their diabetes. They're the ones living it's, with it's every day. It's guess and check every day. <laughs> but have you, has it for any reason um, changed? I mean, can you rely on it to be within the range of judgment that you've developed? Um, yeah, yes, but also it does change. As, you, as I get older, you know what I've really noticed uh, as I've gotten older is I don't feel my lows coming on as easily as I used to. Interesting. I, and I, I think this is something that's kind of um, universal for type 1 diabetics is as I've gotten older, um, when, I was, when I was younger, I'd be able to guess within 10 points of what, where my blood sugar was. I could feel myself dropping. And now as I'm getting older, I, I don't feel like I can notice that as well. Mm-hmm. So things like the Dexcom are very beneficial. And do you work out also? Yeah, I work out um, every other day and try to stay in shape. And, and to some extent, diabetic, diabetic can be sort of a catabolic syndrome, right? It can be hard to put, be anabolic. Mm-hmm. Do you have to fight that? Is there anything you do to do that? Um, I don't think I do it. I mean, I you don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about it. And um, uh, my my dad, my, my my parents are in pretty good shape. My dad was kind of a bodybuilder, so so. But the point is, it doesn't impair your ability to be anabolic to build. No. And, and do you take any other medication like an ACE inhibitor or anything? I uh, no, nothing else. Nothing else. That's Just it. insulin. No. No high blood pressure? Nothing. Like not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, I, I appreciate you stopping by. I wanted to go over this needle unit. Uh, I wanted to promote your show, too. And uh, I look forward to working with you on this thing because it's a, it's a big deal. This is a big deal. We, we have to rake our parks and our beaches to walk across them right now. Mm-hmm. And if we could make the needles not needles, just make them little disintegrated nubs, which is what this unit does, we will have done a good thing. Yeah, it's a big deal. So. Anything else you want to promote? Talk about anything I missed? Um, I, I I don't think so. I I'm I'm, I'm very show, honored for being here. Is the show you. is the show up now? The show is out now. Yeah, we've uh, our third episode was last night, 
and uh, we, we're going to ten. We we don't know about the season two pickup yet, so we how, need how people the to watch. Doing everybody? They're, they're doing good. Uh, okay. Apparently, it was the the number one uh, network premiere of the quarter. Great. So that's exciting. Drew, have you seen the? Have you seen any of it? No. Very funny. It really, I yeah, can't wait. I like it quite a bit. It's available when this airs. Uh, the third episode will be in the rear view because we record a little bit in advance. But yep. it's every Wednesdays on Paramount Network, and it's it's really good. I recommend it. Nice. Thank you for saying nice. that. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, also another thing I, would, I could mention quickly is um, I've got a nude scene in the show Uh-oh. in in, uh, in the second episode, and that was a big challenge because uh, working without my Dexcom is is kind of hard for me. So we had to find a place to put it on my body that the audience wouldn't be able to see it. So that was So you a literally can't you have to you you is that just a psychological thing for you or does that literally what is necessary for your mind? No, I I can go without it. I, I definitely can. Yeah. I just have to check my blood sugar, but now I've had this device for years now and it's it's really important to to my maintenance. And yeah. um, so it was it was the the day Where'd of Where'd you put it? I put it on my on my hip. I, I usually put it right below my belt line uh, oh. because I, I take my shirt off a lot for my work, actually. Yeah. And um, I've never played a diabetic yet. Um, <laughs> and so I they put should, it. They should. I mean, be a great you know be a great message for diabetes. I agree right? with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't wait for the day that, yeah. that comes where I get to play a diabetic and get to just do my normal thing. Yeah. But um, for for this particular scene, I had to put the device kind of on my my right butt cheek and just kind of avoid the camera at all costs on that side. It was really an interesting day. <laughs> Well, congratulations. I'm sure there'll be more, and I'm sure this will will be a big deal. It's the beginning of something, man. Thank you very much. Uh, And we're going to take a little break, back with some calls, and we'll be right back. Well, you're taking care of yourself, right? You work out, you get sleep, eight hours of sleep, at least you try to like I do every night. I want to introduce you to Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates for people like you on their life insurance. I mean, why not? If you're a runner, cyclist, weightlifter, you're taking care of your health, Health IQ can save you up to 41% because physically active people have lower risk for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Health IQ is not just a lead generator. They take the customer through the entire process of applying, and the policy is underwritten by one of the top insurance partners. But these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. You will not find them anywhere else. You must qualify to get that special rate. So to see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com slash Drew, not Dr. Drew, just the ROW, and take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you could save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that is HealthIQ, that's H-E-A-L-T-H-I-Q.com slash Drew, and let them know we sent you. Start the process with the Health IQ quiz, no commitment, and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. One more time, that is HealthIQ.com slash D-R-E-W. Hepatorenal syndrome type 1, or HRS1, is a life-threatening rare disease characterized by complications of liver disease that strikes quickly and can lead to kidney failure. February 29th is Rare Disease Day, a perfect time to learn the facts. There are 7,000 identified rare diseases. includes cystic fibrosis, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and Tay-Sachs. If your loved one has a rare disease, it's important to know that you're not alone. There are many organizations that can provide critical support and advocacy for you and your family. And welcome back. We're going to take a few calls now. I want to thank Derek Thieler for joining us. Again, it's the NeedleDestructionDevice.com, and it's also 68 Whiskey on Paramount, Wednesdays at 10, 9 Central. Out to the phones. John, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Drew. So what what can we expect if the coronavirus reaches L.A. and San Francisco 
in terms of the homeless population? That's a much dicier question, and it's a high-order question because the problem with the coronavirus is it seems to be particularly problematic for people with immunosuppression of one type or another, whether it's aging, chemotherapy, whatever it might be. Uh, and I, I've been saying for a while that the homeless population could be at real risk for this because it's clear that it's more contagious than we thought and probably milder than we thought except in people that might have this problem, right? might be uh, at risk. So much the way I'm concerned about measles getting into the homeless population, I'm worried about coronavirus getting the homeless as well. What do you think? Uh, totally. I mean – but I didn't know, you know, how how infectious it is. To what extent, you know, I, you've talked in prior podcasts about other diseases that have it's, uh, it's, made its way, made their way through the population. So I was just curious about yeah, Corona if it's, that was it's a you know, higher risk, lower risk, higher risk. And and I'm, I'm wondering, I theoretically, flu should be at a. Well, I wonder if they're. I don't know if anybody's out there giving homeless flu vaccines, but uh, flu should be a major risk for them as well. Though flu. You know, I think about it, it really is more a problem for the elderly, and a lot of the homeless are not that old. And although they may not be in great nutritional state and be immunocompromised, I don't think we're seeing a lot of flu in the homeless. So I, I, it's a concern. It's, an, it's a question mark, that's for sure. What we do know about corona is there's more. I've been predicting this from the beginning. It's more widespread than we thought. Okay, so there's tens and tens and tens of thousands of cases, maybe now 80,000 cases. Still only 800 dead, which is not a very high lethality. It's not a very high death rate. Uh, and yeah, we need to contain it. And people who <clears throat> work in infectious disease and epidemiology need to work very hard to contain it. But until I hear Anthony Fauci or somebody like that uh, begin to be concerned about it, I'm not concerned about it. It's just a reminder that we should be taking our flu shots, really, because that kills many more people right now. But, John, thank you for the call. Uh, Chris, what's going on? Hi, Dr. Drew. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I was wondering about your experience or what information you might have if, if marijuana might exacerbate bipolar disorder at all. Or it what it does. It, it, it sort of destabilizes it. There, there are plenty of people with bipolar that smoke pot and are sort of okay. But it makes it, it, makes it certainly more difficult to treat. That's for sure, and to get people stabilized. So it's it's working, although people may claim they feel better and it's working for them and all this stuff that I hear all the time. Uh, the fact is it, it really is not a good uh, – you know, bipolar patients can be so brittle that you, you have to use just stabilizing medication on them with them because even something as simple as an antidepressant can send them obviously into mania. And so we don't even fully understand the full effects of cannabis. And cannabis is a neuromodulator drug, right? It's It works not by is specifically causing a release of a chemical or bonding at a chemical receptor site. It's a modulator. So the thing that's out of whack in bipolar is neuromodulation. Now, you might then argue, well, then shouldn't cannabis be a useful medication for – for that, it, and it's a reasonable question, but it does not appear to be. It just it's just another alcohol destabilizes bipolar. You know, almost everything destabilizes bipolar, yeah. except things like you know anti-epileptic medicine, which are really designed to stabilize membranes. Does that make make okay. sense? Can I can I share my my brief uh, just experience and yeah, ask did, if it correlates did, with your experience? Did, at did, all? did it help you? 
Well, so it seems to take away, like, anger. I don't have outbreaks with, with temper as much when I smoke, but I do have longer depressive periods that yeah. will go into, that will spiral into mania eventually, but not with yeah. anger. Not See, with it's, that, it's that destabilizing part, right? You're sort of, you're sort of still on the, the swing, right? And that's what concerns mm-hmm. me about it. And can you, what, what if you were to use it less regularly, like if you feel the anger coming on kind of thing? The, we're talking about the irritability, right? We're talking about irritability and anger. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that that would be helpful when I, I, I'm far more productive when I don't smoke. But again, there's more, I'm more confrontational. So that's what, what I don't like about it. Well, interesting. Really interesting. But, uh, and certainly it's something, how about alcohol? Does that do anything for you? Um, sometimes alcohol will bring me out of depression, but uh, it'll also trigger mania very, very easily. Right. When I'm hungover, it triggers mania really bad. Right. So, so do you do you see what I'm talking about? And that the, the the it's like you're rocking back and forth with these substances, right? You, you get mm-hmm. it. As opposed to what yeah. what are you using uh, for mood stabilizer? Um, I'm actually not treated. I was only recently diagnosed. Well, not only re- it was only a couple of years ago, but I can't I can't afford health insurance or anything. Uh, you are in Phoenix. Why don't you go to, isn't the medical school there, University of Arizona? Um, Arizona State. Yeah, so oh, Arizona State. They have a medical school at Arizona State? They no. might. I, no. Tucson yeah. definitely does. Yeah. And, and I, or maybe there's a, 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 uh, uh, Phoenix College. Phoenix College. Yeah. You need a medical school. Yeah. And because they, okay, they, they the only... then the residents can treat you for free. Uh, and maybe there are other the what Gary? University of Arizona in Tucson has a world renowned one. That's where Gabby Giffords was treated after her whole incident. They they have a very good medical school there. And how long would it take him to get to Tucson? Hour and a half, depending on what yeah. part of Phoenix he's in and what time of day he goes. Yeah, and uh, you you want to check around? Call the the psychiatric department at at University of uh, Arizona Medical School and see if they have prorated or free services. And typically they will at a training center. And uh, this is something. Certainly, a resident would be able to help you with for sure. Good luck there, Chris. Get that taken care of because again, that that rock. Look, and you might be able to um, keep smoking pot if you're on a mood stabilizer. Maybe maybe that combo will work better for you. I, I just I want somebody watching you. Hi, Tom. What's going on? Hey, Dr. Drew, I just want to say congratulations. I saw you're going to be in California, or at least some kind of representative for that uh, needle destruction device next week. Is that correct? That's not me, but the whole, I think Derek might be there, and the whole group's going to come in there. But uh, take a look at that device. It's crazy. It, it really is exciting. That has been getting a lot of buzz on Twitter, and I know some social media people have been really, really on that. I think you guys are about to break through. Well, thank you, Tom. I I, I knew it when I saw it, I, I, it and it's spreading. I, I was telling uh, Derek, I watched a movie called Current War. It's about the war uh, and the distribution of electricity, whether direct current or AC current and alternating current and how the Westinghouse and the Thomas Edison fought it out and it spread across the country. I feel like when there's a, a significant technological move forward, it spreads. And I feel like that's what's really happening with this device. So I'm very I'm very excited that it can make a big difference. The, the big unit, the pro unit, take, go take a look at that thing and you tell me if that shouldn't be in every exam room in every hospital in the country. And if OSHA, by the way, uh, the employee safety organizations like OSHA should be all behind this because we can get rid of needle sticks with this thing. Thanks, Tom. Jared, what's going on, man? Hey, how are you? We're good. What's up? So I, you know, I'm married, I want to say 11 years now. And right. So my wife and I, we have, we're raising three children together, uh, ages three, 
six and uh, 11 or 10, I think 10. And I'm just, you know, I don't know if this is a typical experience, but my wife and I, the sex machine has shut down. Yeah. And it seems like in the past few years, it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't understand it. Like, it's so frustrating because, you know, it's like back when you were dating, you wanted to get your hands on each other all the time, you know. And now it seems like there's no opportunity legitimately to do anything in the bedroom um, at night, especially because you're like, you're, you're almost like dying for any sleep you can get, you know, with the little kids now these days, because we're up in the middle of the night, we're taking care of them, they come into our bed at night, you know, it's just this constant, like, draining experience that does not give us any opportunity to actually be husband and wife anymore. You are, just, you, are, you are not so, alone. You are, it's not an unusual circumstance. Or marital dissatisfaction peaks around late, sort of mid-grammar school years. How old is your youngest? Uh, three. And he loves, loves to come find us in the bed at like one in the morning. Boy. And, we're, and by then we're not going to move him. You know, We're just going to let him just lay there like a log. And you know, he gets to sleep. And then I get beat in the rib cage or in the face. Um, it's just like, uh, I love, and now I go on the road a lot, you know, cause I work a lot. And so if I go on the road, I get to sleep all night, but then I have no one to have sex with. So it's like, come I, on. I know. I you get know? it. I get it. How long, how long has this been going on? How long has there been sort of a drought? I would say it's really progressed over the last three years. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm not one of these guys that will ever even consider cheating on his wife. I just won't. And first of all, everyone loves my wife. You know, I, I think everybody's on the fence with me, huh. but <laughs> I think, uh, you know, the moment I decide to cheat on my wife, everybody's going to take her side. I will lose every single friend I ever had. Yeah, you don't you know, want to. It's going to be just a disaster, and it's like, I can't do it. But so you're, you're, you're I, not, I won't. But you're not talking about dissatisfaction with your spouse. You're talking about life circumstance interfering with your relationship, right? Right, because my wife is gorgeous. Right. I mean, she's dropped it gorgeous. She's five foot five, red hair, beautiful tits. I mean, everything is there, and it's frustrating for me that I have such a great package at home and I can do nothing about it. So, just, right, you know, annoying. He's a starving man living with a pork chop. So, yes. <laughs> Gary's laughing at you. I'm laughing. Uh, I'm I'm laughing out of fear for myself. Yeah. Well, this you got it. You got to commit yourself, man. You got to go look. First of all. I'm a father, and I'm going to have to get through this, and we will get on the other side of this. you got to know that, number one. you got to stay committed. Number two, you have to find ways to have time alone. You're entitled to that. It's necessary to the health and well-being of your family. Sometimes something as simple as a barrel bolt lock in your door can be the right. thing that is the difference between happiness and unhappiness. Uh, so i strong advocate of the barrel bolt, Okay. Uh, yeah. Then thirdly, uh, who's is your wife's libido okay? Is that has that dropped off? Because after three kids, I kind of wonder about that myself. Because yeah. yeah, she, you know, it seems like you know she's just turned forty. Um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of uh, interest, or at least sometimes she talks about it. But it's not at all like when we were dating. Right. You know, it seems like when we were dating, it was like, right? So there that's, was a lot of interest. That's biological. Uh, and and the fact that she's overwhelmed and stressed, and you, you've seen now what three kids do to a mother. They, I always say that we don't, we do not make enough of how the children suck a mom's soul. I don't care 
what what mom it is, or they just hook a hose up and just start draining her soul, depleting her. Right. And they and they they gratefully comply. They're they're you know active participants in that. And by the end of the day, they're they're depleted. So there's depletion. Yeah. There's lack of structure. There's maybe a biological thing. But these are all things that can be attended to, right? I believe so. I just. You know, I think we're just like at our wits' end because you know, I we'll start with right them. now. I'm All stuck right. in sh- All right. I'm stuck in Chicago right now. I'm uh-huh. waiting on a flight to go home. The flights are getting delayed out because there's snow coming in the, the Cumberland Plateau in Nashville. I'm and so I'm I'm sitting here in a in a sports bar in Chicago, and I'm I'm God. just kind of like I don't even know if I'll get home, and and even if I did, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> you know, I'm just yeah. gonna wake up in the morning and just go right back into my routine again, and nothing. Well, I, I so I'm like on the road a lot. It's just stressful. I would strongly urge you to discuss it with your wife. I would get a barrel bolt and I would make every effort to find get like babysitters or grandparents in there to create time for you guys. You need to you need to diligently do this. It, it, the the status quo threatens the health of your family. Okay. I hear you, right. and yeah, it is. I mean, that's why I'm calling because it yeah. it does concern me quite a bit. You yeah. know, I'm I just feel like. You know, I, it's almost like there's not enough hours in the day to fix the I, I problem. Sometimes, I, 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 you know, I, I, I had triplets, man. I totally get it. And my my wife had early menopause that everyone ignored for ten years. And when they finally put her on hormones, her, her mood got everything got better. And she's pissed. She's like, "Why didn't somebody? Why were they calling me depressed? I just was not hormonally right from all this childbearing stuff." And so I would strongly urge you to get her evaluated by a gynecologist who is sensitive to those issues. Have you listened to Spotify yet? If not, give it a try. If you have, tell a friend. Send them a link to our show on Spotify. And when you do, be sure to follow our page. That way you'll get all the new episodes as they come out. Find them in your library. Download the Spotify app for free now. And then search for the Dr. Drew podcast. And then start listening. Check out Spotify. Well, you're taking care of yourself, right? You work out, you get sleep, eight hours of sleep, at least you try to like I do every night. I want to introduce you to Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates for people like you on their life insurance. I mean, why not? If you're a runner, cyclist, weightlifter, you're taking care of your health, Health IQ can save you up to 41% because physically active people have lower risk for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Health IQ is not just a lead generator. They take the customer through the entire process of applying, and the policy is underwritten by one of the top insurance partners. But these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. You will not find them anywhere else. You must qualify to get that special rate. So, to see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com slash Drew, not Dr. Drew, just D-R-E-W, and take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you could save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that is healthiq, that's H-E-A-L-T-H-I-Q.com slash Drew, and let them know we sent you. Start the process with the Health IQ quiz no commitment, and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. One more time, that is healthiq.com slash D-R-E-W. This now is Lisa. Lisa, what's going on? Yes, Dr. Drew. um, I heard you on Ingram, and I got ecstatically excited when you had mentioned that you had you felt like an obligation to do something from Los Angeles. Yeah. Um I came from Los Angeles. I actually 
have met you. I have firsthand knowledge of what you do in Pasadena. And I have all the faith in the world that it's going to really take someone such as yourself and your knowledge and the background with the addiction and all of that. It's going to take much more than just a politician. Yep. Yep. And with that said, I know we have Eric Early who jumped in the race. You know, there's just a lot of chaos and, you know, L.A. I left L.A. for that reason. I know. And I'm now in South Orange County. I'm working with your state senator, John Morlock, because he's the only person that, well, he's a super bright guy, and he is listening. Mm -hmm. He called me once on a radio program, and he was, I was, we were talking about homeless, and I go, I go, I was complaining. I was getting, you know, aggressive and upset the way I got. And he goes, well, do you have any ideas? I was like, yes, I have a bunch of ideas. This is about a year and a half oh, ago. Goodness. And he listened immediately, and he did research it and took action, and that's where SB 640 came from. Now, all the other idiots up there, the morally bankrupt, reprehensible, uh, completely I- indefensible moral vacancy that's up there, refuse to act right. on behalf of the family and the people that have serious and mental illness. Right. And so yeah. – but, but Lisa, I may be able to do more from the sidelines than maybe I could. I'm beginning to think. I, I know able, you, you know. said that. <laughs> I'm just, I was so excited. I was just, I thought, this is going to help us. This is going to hopefully save us because I'm telling you, it's moving. It's in Aliso Viejo now. Uh, I know. It's all over. My son lives in San Diego. It's in his well, backyard. But San Diego's San, the mayor of San Diego is actually dealing with it. He's actually going, oh, there's some, he too, I talked to him. He goes, oh, it's a mental health problem. Let me study it. Oh, I see what we need yeah. to do. And he's starting to do it. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I hope you do stay closely involved because they do need your expertise. These guys don't understand what they're dealing with. I know. And it's not a politician. It's someone such as yourself with your background and it's extensive background. It's not something to, you know, I'm impressed with you. You saved my life. You saved my friend's life. I, you know, I just know what you can do. It's a privilege to hear from you, and I thank you. That keeps me going. I'll keep at it, and uh, and and maybe at some point I will do something politically. I just not just now. I just can't do it. My and my family is not up for it either, and so that's important to me. All right, Lisa, Garrett, Jared, everybody, thank you for your calls. We appreciate it very much. And of course, a reminder, uh, Derek Thieler. You can see him. New episodes, Paramount Network, Wednesdays, 10 uh, and 9 Central. Derek is Sasquatch, um, and I appreciate him and all support for diabetes. And, of course, the Needle Destruction Device, needledestructiondevice.com. Every $10, excuse me, every unit sold gets $10 donated to the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation. Thank you, everybody. I'll see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com.